0: This is the message from Connection Community Church for Sunday, November 28, 2010, week one of our Advent series, The Wonder of Christmas, Hope is Born. Bethlehem, a small town five miles southwest of Jerusalem, so small that when the 38 cities of the hill country of Judah are recorded in the 15th chapter of Joshua, Bethlehem is not even included among them. And yet, the prophet Micah prophesied that it would be from Bethlehem that the ruler of Israel would come. Yes, the little town of Bethlehem will be where it happens when hope is born.
1: Well, good morning, Connection Church. My name is Carrie Jones. I'm Alan Jones. And we're two sinners who have been saved by the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Would you pray with us, please? God, we thank you for today. We thank you for the opportunity to come and praise and worship your name, your holy name, your name. That's hope. Thank you for the hope that you bring each one of us and open our hearts so that we might receive this message that you've intended for each one of us today. We pray this in your most holy and precious name. And all of Connection Church said, amen. Amen. Alan, before you start, I don't normally do this, but, you know, 47 years is a long time to be married, and I just want to say to Margie and John Goodyear, thank you for being a witness to all of us. That brings us hope that it is indeed possible. Congratulations. Yeah. Yeah, thank you for your witness and your intuitiveness. That helps each one of us know that it is indeed possible um, to make it. Thank you.
0: Amen. Amen. So today is the first Sunday of Advent. Now, Advent might be a term unfamiliar to some of you. Advent—it's a creation of the church. You won't find it in Scripture, but it's a four-week period of preparation that leads up to Christmas. And when we say preparation, we don't mean preparation like shopping or baking or decorating or wrapping or any of that stuff. We're talking about preparing spiritually as we await the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ.
1: Now, here at Connection, we normally have a candle burning each and every Sunday, and it's right over there, and Alan is going to put that candle out because we're going to do a little shift You see, the candle over here normally reminds us that Jesus is present with us and that Jesus is the light of the world. Now, during Advent, we will replace that candle with something that we call an Advent wreath, which is over here. You will notice with this Advent wreath, there are five candles, four around the outsides, ...and one in the middle. You know, Jesus just cannot be put out. So we're going to leave him right there.
0: I'd have to get on a stool and you don't want to watch that this morning.
1: So, anyway, the candle, we're going to light each candle one a week... ...as we progress through this Advent series, this message. The candle in the center is the Christ candle, which is what that is for us today. And we will light that on Christmas Eve. Christ has come. Jesus is the light of the world. His entrance into the, how he pierced the darkness with light. Now, after Christmas, we're going to move the Christ candle back over here. And that's a reminder to us all through the year of Christ's presence with us as we worship.
0: And so today, we are going to light The candle of hope. Sure we are. I just can't see well. There we go. It's trouble when you have eye trouble. You know you can't see distance well. Anyway, anyway. Candle of hope. This candle reminds us that part of the wonder of Christmas is the hope that is born in a manger in that little town of Bethlehem. The town Micah talked about hundreds of years before the birth of Christ. Let's pray. Holy God, it is the little town of Bethlehem that we talk about this morning, that town of hope. We pray that you will remind us, ever remind us, that this is a season of hope as we look to the manger, as we look to the wonder of Christmas. Please open our spirits to your spirit this morning as we share in your word through Christ and your Holy Spirit. We pray, and All Connection Church said, Amen.
1: Amen. The little town of Bethlehem. You know, Bethlehem is a symbol of hope. The town where the Christ child will be born. The town where when he was just a boy, David, the shepherd boy, was anointed by Samuel to be the future king of Israel. Bethlehem is where the story takes place today, at least at the beginning and the end.
0: So, we're going to go back, back in the Old Testament, back when the judges ruled over Israel. There was a severe famine in Bethlehem. So severe was this famine that a man named Elimelech, Elimelech, careful with that, Elimelech, and his wife Naomi and their two sons, Malon and Kilion, went to the neighboring country of Moab. Now, Elimelech died, leaving Naomi and to raise her two sons. They, they grew up, they married local girls. One of the girls was named Orpa, The other was named Ruth. After living there about 10 years, though, both of the sons died. So here's your picture. Here's Naomi, no husband, no sons, two daughters-in-law.
1: And it's at this point where we really begin the story of Ruth. It's a great story. We can break this story down into seven key points You can follow along in your program. We have those seven points listed. Now, the first point is this. The first point is desperation. Desperation. All three women, Naomi, Orpah, and Ruth, are without the significant men in their lives at this point. And now, in our society today, that really wouldn't seem so bad. But back then... It was not good for a woman to be without a spouse. You see, the society, as, as we've taken a look at before, it was ruled by men, and women had very little worth during that time. And so a woman on her own would generally have a very, very difficult time. Their fortunes would be very limited. Their um, job opportunities, well, really slim, it probably would have boiled down to a woman on her own, In that situation that we're talking about now would either be destitute or she would need to be a prostitute in order to make a living.
0: So now Naomi hears that the Lord has provided food back in the homeland, back in Bethlehem, so she and the girls set out to go back. On the way, Naomi tells the two girls that, that they should return to their own homes. Not that she's trying to get rid of them, but... That their mothers are waiting for them. Um, that that um, Since Bethlehem is not where they're from, that they should return to their homes. And she hopes the Lord will then bring each of them another husband. Both said they're going to stay with Naomi, but she insists they go home. Orpah does as Naomi asks, but Ruth stays. And Ruth shares with her mother-in-law what is now a, a fairly well-known, a fairly famous response from scriptures from, we read it in the first chapter of the book of Ruth, uh, verses 16 to 17, New International Version. Here's what she says. She says to her mother-in-law, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried." May the Lord deal with me ever so severely if even death separates you and me. Wow. You can't get much more faithful than that, can you? Uh, That's just an incredible faith statement. When Naomi realizes how determined Ruth is, she stops urging her to go to her own place, and, (laughs) and they travel together.
1: And so the women continue on, and they arrive in Bethlehem. And this brings us to the second point in our um, seven points, and the word is despondency, despondency. Not only is Naomi desperate, but she is despondent. You see, life has taken such a toll on her, both physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Life does that sometimes. So much so that when she reaches her hometown, the women who she had known for years, hardly recognized her. And they said this, Can this be Naomi? Well, her response is this. Her response is, Don't call me Naomi, call me Mara, because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. Well, Naomi, tell us really how you feel. Wow, can you just feel that? Can you sense where she's at right now? Hmm. Now, the word Naomi, the name Naomi means pleasant. (laughs) She says, don't call me that, but call me Mara. See, Mara means bitter, and she was indeed quite bitter toward the lord
0: yeah she she sounds hopeless doesn't she she's she's despondent she she doesn't think the lord has really done much for her when they arrive in bethlehem it's harvest time now according to the law of leviticus those harvesting the fields were to leave unharvested some of the outside rows in order that the poor could come and harvest it it's really cool it's not a handout They have to work for it, but it's an opportunity that they will have something to eat. It's known as gleaning. Maybe some of you have heard of that before, gleaning. And so Ruth begins to glean in a field that just happens to belong to a guy named Boaz, who's from the family of her father-in-law, Elimelech. In other words, by marriage, they're related.
1: And so this brings us to the third point, and that point is dropping in. Dropping in, isn't it incredible how God just drops in to our lives? Drops into our lives when we are desperate, when we're despondent, when we need God the most. Hmm, dropping in. It isn't by mere circumstance that Ruth gleans from the field of someone from her late husband's family dropping in. God is in the mix.
0: When Boaz returns from town, he, he notices this young woman gleaning his field, and he asks who she is. His foreman explains that, that uh, she is from Moab, from the neighboring country, and that she had returned with Naomi, and, and she had asked to glean the fields, and she had worked steadily all morning.
1: Well, Boaz goes to Ruth and tells her to not work in any other fields to stay in his. Hmm. He tells her to stay with his servant girls and get a drink whenever she's thirsty. He tells his men not to touch her. And she wonders why he's treating her so nicely. And he shares with her that he's heard her story, how she stays and how she cared for her mother-in-law, Naomi. How she had come home with her. He instructs his men to leave extra glean for, extra for her to glean. And then he goes out of his way to be kind and generous. He shows her loving kindness.
0: Loving kindness, that's the next point if you're following along on that sheet in your program this morning, loving kindness. The Hebrew word for this is hesed, H-E-S-E-D, hesed. Hesed, it's hard to describe in English fully, it's kindness that goes way beyond the everyday idea of kindness, it's it's looking out for that other person, way ahead of looking out for yourself, it's the kind of kindness that God shows to us, a, a righteous kindness that goes beyond what's expected or deserved kindness, that is absolutely over-the-top, Hesed.
1: And so Ruth tells her mother-in-law Naomi about the man who has been so kind to her. And when she tells Naomi his name, which is Boaz, Naomi shares that this man is a close relative, that he is one of their kinsmen, kinsmen redeemers. Now, that's the next point, kinsman-redeemer, kinsman only we're calling it redemption. Kinsman-redeemer, that's what this whole idea means. You see, in the book of Leviticus, there is provision in the law for the poor person who's forced to sell their property and, or themselves into slavery. The kinsman-redeemer steps in and redeems or buys back what that person is forced to sell. Buys them out of slavery. That's what a kinsman redeemer does. And if a man dies, his closest relative would marry that widow and redeem the situation by buying back his land and hopefully having a son to carry on the kinsman's name.
0: Now, there's an interesting custom. It's kind of strange for us, but... Um, Naomi encourages Ruth to lay at the feet of Boaz while he is sleeping. He's out working hard at the threshing floor and just sleeping right there on the job. And Naomi tells her to sleep at his feet. That custom is to let the kinsman redeemer, that relative who is close enough and hopefully can redeem the situation, to let him know that she is available. That she, if he sees fit to marry her, she's interested that she, again, is available for that. And that's the next word this morning on your sheet, availability. Ruth does as Naomi instructs and goes to Boaz and lets him know that she is available and that he can redeem her if he is interested.
1: Well, Boaz is interested. But there is another kinsman more closely related than Boaz who has first rights. And he is interested in redeeming this property until he learns that he gets the widow Ruth with it. Hmm.
0: Just the land, please. (laughs) Just the
1: land, not Ruth. He declines and Boaz accepts. Hmm. There is redemption as he buys all the property of Elimelech and his sons and takes Ruth to be his wife and in doing so he's able to maintain the name of the deceased with his property so that the name will not disappear among the family or the family records
0: this whole thing's kind of it seems weird does because it's like the woman's kind of part of the property and all but uh, i think the purpose wasn't so much that but was to care for someone who otherwise would be in a very desperate situation the law of leviticus was set up in order to um... Uh, have a system whereby that person wouldn't be destitute, where they wouldn't be uh, hanging like out to dry, so to speak. Protection. Like protection. And, and so, and so um, <clears throat> Boaz uh, takes Ruth to be his wife. And in so doing, Naomi, I mean, she comes, she's part of the deal, right? Because she's, uh, the land is, is, is with her as well. And, so, and, then, and then Ruth and, and Boaz, she conceives a child, and she gives birth to a son. And the women praise the Lord because, you know, that's really big stuff for the Hebrew women. One of their primary purposes is to bear children and especially to bear sons. And the women praise the Lord, telling Naomi that God has that day not left her without a redeemer kinsman. The new grandson of hers, they hope, will become famous throughout Israel. And they praise Ruth telling Naomi that her daughter-in-law is better than seven sons.
1: (laughs) Wow. And Naomi takes the child and cares for the child. And the women living say, Naomi has a son. (laughs) And they named him Obed. So let's do a little genealogy here. Check this out. Obed was the father of Jesse. Jesse was the father of David. That's King David. Ruth, a foreigner, she was the great-grandmother of King David. And so that's inclusion. That's our final point in today's message. Inclusion.
0: Inclusion. You want to talk inclusion? Ruth's husband, Boaz... You know who his mother was? His mother was none other than Rahab. Rahab is a is a woman we read about back in the book of Joshua. She was a prostitute that God was redeemed through um, was able to redeem her. So 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 David's great great grandmother was a prostitute. Again, inclusion. Because Rahab was a woman who herself had known desperation. She was a woman who had known despondency. She had known all about God dropping in. (laughs) And she knew all about God's loving kindness and being available to what God offers and his redeeming grace. And she ultimately found inclusion in the family of God.
1: And this is the story of Bethlehem. This is the story of Christmas. This is the story of hope. Over and over and over again in everyday lives. This story has been repeated in history. In the lives that we share about, and maybe in your life as well. Even today we know that there's a lot of desperation out there there's a lot maybe some of you have known that desperation maybe some of you are experiencing it right now with all of the layoffs with the with the economy with the pressure that bring that comes with with what's going on right now with separation possibly from spouses with issues, with our children, no matter what age, with empty lives, with sin, we've all known desperation.
0: And desperation often leads to despondency, you know, the feeling where you're wondering if God is even there. Where are you, God? Where are you? Where sometimes you feel like like God has just picked you out to be mean to just you, <laughs> to give you a hard time To make your life as difficult as possible.
1: And in the midst of all of this. In the midst of all of this. Hope is born. Hope is born when Jesus drops into the world. Right there in Bethlehem. And Jesus brings loving kindness. Wherever he goes. This has said that is loving kindness even beyond words. The ultimate expression which occurred when Jesus went right to that cross. He was willing to be hung on a cross for you and for me so that we might live.
0: And just as Ruth laid at the feet of Boaz, we lay at the feet of Jesus, letting him know that we too are available. We too are available for redemption if he's willing. (laughs) And he certainly is, more than willing. And, and, and then we are redeemed when we allow Christ into our lives. If I celebrate those who have allowed Christ in and know that redemptive power. And if you haven't, I would encourage you to pray today to allow that to happen. That redemption where, as Boaz paid the price for the land and bought the land, and in so doing, redeemed Ruth, Jesus paid the price for you and me. It wasn't land. He bought our souls back. He bought our souls back, paid the debt, and brought us out of, bought us back out of slavery to sin and to death so that we too might once again be included in God's family. By his grace, we are included in the redemptive work of God in the world.
1: This is a story that's been replayed over and over in our lives, in your life, in the lives around us, a story of desperation, a story of despondency, and how God just drops in. And loving kindness is, that grace is just lavished upon us. And all we need to do is be available to experience that and experience redemption. And we're included in the family of God. You are included in the family of God because you are the daughters and the sons of a most high God. You've been adopted into God's family. That is such good news because it's a story of hope. Dark is never dark again, but there's always hope. It's the hope that was born at Christmas. In a manger, in a stable, in Bethlehem, in the city of David, whose grandmother was Ruth... The one who was redeemed by Boaz, whose great-grandmothers were Naomi and Rahab, both whom found favor with the Lord. That's the wonder of Christmas. That's the wonder of Christmas when hope is born. Amen? Let's pray. Oh God, you are the God of hope. Thank you for coming into our lives, for knowing that we needed you in a tangible way. And so you came down from heaven in the form of Jesus the Christ, a baby born in a manger, that simple place in that little town of Bethlehem, a town that was barely on the map, wasn't even recorded, in the early scriptures. Oh God, help us grab on to the hope that you bring into our lives. And wherever we are, whether we're desperate or despondent, oh God, I hope that every single person here experiences your said, your loving kindness, opens their hearts to your, and to be available to you so that we might experience redemption. Thank you for paying the price for us. Thank you for your love. Our hope is you. We pray this in the name of Jesus and by the power of God's Holy Spirit. And all of Connection Church said, Amen.
0: Thank you for taking part in sharing the message for this week. For more information about Connection Community Church, please visit our website at www.connectioncc.org. You can also reach our church offices at 302-378-7692.
1: Connection Community Church, connecting people with Jesus and the life that he offers.